Well, please open in your Bibles to the book of James, not 1 Corinthians, but James, uh, James chapter 3. If you stand, I'll be reading verses 1 through 18, that entire chapter, which speaks about the tongue. And for reasons that will become evident, it seems good this morning to take a break from 1 Corinthians and really direct our hearts and minds towards the nature of how we use our tongues, and most particularly the rumors and gossip, which so often can overwhelm us and, and harm individuals in our lives and harm the church. So James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh? Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Please be seated. The story is told of a woman who spread gossip and slander in her local church. And after coming under deep conviction, she went to her pastor and tearfully asked him how she could fix the situation. The pastor told her to go and purchase a feather pillow and meet him downtown at the top of the highest skyscraper in the city. Somewhat incredulously, she fulfilled this strange request. And by that afternoon, they were both standing atop the tall building and she was holding a pillow. The pastor then handed her a knife and instructed her to rip open the pillow and dump all the tiny feathers out over the side of the skyscraper. Confused by this seemingly strange act of penance, she complied with the task, and then she looked quizzically at her pastor and said, is that all? No, he said, now I want you to go and collect every last feather and put it back in the pillow. Well, that's impossible, she said. The, the wind has spread the feathers all throughout the city. I could never collect them all. Exactly, said the pastor. That is what gossip is like. Once the words leave your mouth, they can never be successfully recalled. Well, I think this is a fairly good approximation of what happens when a person spreads harmful information about others. It is certainly impossible to keep it from spreading or to take it back once it has been heard. However, the illustration would probably be enhanced a bit if we replaced the feathers in the pillow with fine particles of radium, which is the most radioactive, naturally occurring particle in the world. And if we replace the feathers with radium dust, which would then be inhaled by the population and cause lifelong damage to the very DNA structure of their cells. Slander is a vicious and harmful act, and God takes it extremely seriously. So this morning, what I'd like to do is I'd like to set out a definition for slander, 
which I've placed in the bulletin if you are taking notes this morning, and I would encourage you to do so, because it's important that we understand what we mean when we talk about slander and gossip. And essentially, I'll be reading verses this morning which use the word, both the words gossip and slander, and I'm generally treating them in a synonymous way. I think Scripture does. Gossip probably carries the connotation more of the actual information that is being spread, and slander indicates the motive for spreading that information. So the definition, I'd like to just walk through it a bit with you. When we're talking about when someone says, or when we say we have gossiped or slandered, what does that mean? Well, to gossip is to share false information about someone in any setting for any reason. And that's kind of our normal understanding, right? If you say something false about someone, it doesn't matter where or to whom or in what setting, that is always gossip. It's harmful, right? False information. And it wouldn't matter the motive that you shared it for. Right? You might well have a good motive for sharing false information. It's still gossip and slander because it's false. It's, it's wrong. So we get that. That's normally what we would understand as gossip. But I think our understanding of it needs to expand. I think Scripture would expand that out. That is to share harmful, derogatory, or private information about someone that is not known to be true as though it were true. That's kind of the next step. If you know something to be false and you share it, it's clearly gossip. I mean, if you hear something about someone and you want to pass that thing along, and again, this is with harmful motive, and you don't know it's true, again, that's gossip, right? You've not confirmed the reality of it. And even if it was something that were true and you were going to share it, if you don't know that to be the case, you are passing it along as though it were actually true information. You are lying in that sense. And so you are gossiping about someone. Well, just, I'm just passing along the information that I receive. I mean, it's true. That's what I heard. It's on social media. They tweeted that to me, so I'll tweet that out. Well, how do you know that's true? You have absolutely no way of knowing if that thing that you receive from someone else is actually true. If someone told you something and you spread it around and you didn't hear it from the, from the mouth of the person that said it, you are spreading gossip. You don't know that it's true. And so you have to be so careful with that. Harmful derogatory or private information about someone that is not known to be true and you're sharing it as though it is true. Next, to gossip is also to share true information. Did you know that? You can share true information about someone that is gossip, that is slender, because even true information shared in the wrong circumstance and for the wrong motive counts as slander. Well, you know, some people are like, hey, I'm, I'm the prophet, man. I mean, I, I share what's true. And so I'm, I'm just I'm laying it down like it's straight. This is what this person is. This is what they're like. This, this, is, this is who they are. If, even, if it, even if it is true, if your motive is wrong, the intent to hurt, to cause strife, to personally benefit, to make ourselves look good. All those things cause that true information to account as gossip or slander. And then also, and, and this is really important as well, to purposely share true information at the wrong time or to people who don't need to know. See, that's, that's that profit again. Well, I, was, I just gotta tell you this. Do those people know that information? Is it the right place to share that information? Is it the right time to share that information? Anytime you do that inappropriately, wrongly, you are slandering. And so our understanding of, of slander need, needs to expand. And I think if you, if you look at that definition carefully, and you realize that a lot of what people talk about in casual conversation is gossip, it's slander. We would be speaking a lot less, or maybe we'd have to replace our words with something else if we actually took this definition seriously. A lot of your social media would go away, right? A lot of those retweets and reposts and this or that, it would simply go away. It wouldn't even exist because you don't know that that's true. And so you wouldn't ever pass it along. Why would you ever do such a thing if you couldn't verify it? A lot of the, the casual conversation about what so-and-so was doing or about what so-and-so's relationship is like or what those people are doing over there, a lot of that would just simply disappear. About your own family, about extended family members, about those in the church, about those in the world. 
This is an expansive definition. I think it's utterly biblical. I think it's, in, it's entirely appropriate, this definition. And so we need to be much more careful about what we say when we say it. This message is to every single person in the church because we all wrestle with this. I wrestle with it. You wrestle with it. So this idea of what gossip and slander is as we expand it out, then as we look at the danger and harm that comes from gossip, my prayer is that each one of you will take this very personally because this message is not for the person sitting next to you. It's not for someone out there. It is for you and it is for me. Well, we need to understand then why do people gossip and slander? Why would you share information that's harmful? Why would you pass along information that's going to hurt someone? Why would anyone ever do that? I mean, we're Christians, right? Why would we ever want to share some kind of information that would harm someone? With the world, we get that. The world loves to harm people. Right? They, they love to point out the weaknesses of others. They love to look good. But we as Christians, why would we ever do that? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. One is that when we have hatred, hurt, anger, or revenge in our hearts, then we will slender. When we hide those things in our hearts, when we've been harmed, and then that turns into hate, that, that hurt turns into hate and anger and a desire for revenge, then we have a desire to harm. And that's whether the hurt is real or perceived. You need to understand that. If you perceive that someone has hurt you and you don't deal with that properly, it will build into anger and then bitterness and it will, it will end up in slander. If someone actually sins against you, then that also can easily be harbored in your heart and, and will turn to bitterness. But either way, whether it's true or not true, if you don't deal with it properly, that is whether it's a real hurt to you, someone really sinned against you, or you are just, you're, you're overly sensitive, or you have your own sin problems that you're dealing with, and so everybody's hurting you with everything that they say, either way, you have to deal with it. And if you don't, you will end up slandering someone else because that hurt, that bitterness will come out. Proverbs 10, 18. He who conceals hatred has lying lips. Right? I've bitter at you, I'm angry at you, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to deal with the problem. We're not going to work it through. I'm not going to either call you to repentance or repent myself or simply recognize that you didn't actually hurt me and let it go before the Lord. It's fascinating. We, got, we have a parallelism in Proverbs 10, 18. Remember, Hebrew poetry doesn't work in rhyming couplets. It works in parallel couplets. Sometimes they're complementary parallelism, as in this case, he who conceals hatred is lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. I don't think those two things go together. You share or you hide that anger, you conceal it, you're actually deceiving someone, you're lying, but what happens? You're gonna spread that somewhere else. It's going to come out. You're not gonna tell them, you're gonna tell it to someone else. And you spread slanders, what a fool. Someone who lives and acts as though there is no God. Not, not an unintelligent person. Believe me, lots of intelligent people spread all kinds of gossip. They're really good at it. But as a fool, that is living as though there is no God, not dealing with issues or problems in relationship to what God would have. So. Hatred, hurt, anger, revenge bring a desire to harm, and that desire to harm turns into gossip. First Timothy 3.11 says women must likewise be dignified. And again, it speaks to women here, but all throughout the scriptures, gossip is portrayed as a male-female equally dangerous issue. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate and faithful in all things. We'll talk a little bit more about malicious gossips. That's actually one word. It's the word diabolos devils, slanderers, accusers, all right? So to harm, that's what you're trying to do. Those words are used to get back at someone else. So we want to make someone else hurt as we've hurt, to harm someone as we've been harmed, to make the person pay for the harm they've done to us. Again, whether this is real or perceived, to expose the person 
who harm them. And that's why we respond back with this kind of slander. So hatred, anger, hurt really lie at the, at the, at the base of most slander, but not all. It can simply be the love of attention because you see slander is juicy and people love it. They love it. Proverbs 18.8, the words of a whisper are like dainty morsels. They go down to the innermost parts of the body. People love to hear it. That's why people do it. If, if everyone said, oh, I hate gossip, why are you doing that? And, and everyone in the world said, I can't stand what you're telling me, it would stop. But it doesn't. People go, tell me more. I want, I want to hear that again. Do you, do you have anything more? Do you got any new information? I mean, if I walked in here with a box of Krispy Kreme, you know, the one just out of the fryer, that warm take that thing and you pop it in your mouth, it just dissolves on the way down, doesn't it? That's a dainty morsel, man. It just goes right down. That's the way gossip is for us. We, we're tuned in our sinful nature to just love it. And so as someone speaks to us, that it's like, man, it's like that Krispy Kreme going down. It's like, give me another one. Oh, I, I need another. And, and you're pretty popular. So you bring the box every morning and you hand out the donuts and you hand out the morsel and you're, you walk into youth group and you hand out the morsels and you walk in the back door and you're talking about someone else and you go home and you're, you're texting your friends or you're texting your, and man, everybody loves that. So you're, you're just handing out the little morsels everywhere because people just want to take them down. They're dainty. That, that's, it's, it's just a lovely information that causes us that, that we just love to hear. So that's why we do it. We love attention. We like to be the person in the know, don't we? Hey, hey if you want to know what's going on in, in, in the church, come to me. You know, you know that person, right? I, hopefully you don't, but how about in your own extended family? There's always the person in your family, isn't it? They've got all the information. They've got the info. They've got the dish on everybody else and the whole family. And man, you know, they're going to tell everybody about that. Well, it's because people love attention. Also, we love to reveal what we know. It just burns a hole in, in, in your heart, doesn't it? It's like that money that burns a hole in your pocket. You just got to spend it. Well, if you've got information, it just sits there and you're like, man, I can't, I got to tell somebody. This just has to come out, Proverbs 20, 19. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Yeah, somebody told you a secret and you just can't keep it. By the way, it says, therefore, don't associate with a gossip because he will tell what you tell him. He can't keep it inside. He just loves to reveal. I mean, the moment he tells him, hey, I got a secret, immediately in your heart is instilled this desire to tell someone else. We do not inherently love to keep secrets. We inherently love to tell them. Whole countries have fallen. Whole wars have gone, have gone opposite ways because people can't keep secrets and whole lives have been ruined and destroyed. But I would say this, stop telling secrets. There are, there are in, there's information at times that you have to tell people for their good and for their benefit ultimately that you shouldn't tell someone else. I get that. But simply, hey, I got a secret. Let me tell you something. But don't tell anybody else. If that word ever comes out of your mouth, I'm going to tell you this, this sentence, but don't tell someone else. You had best think very carefully about that next thing you're about to say. And I would say 99.999% of the time, don't say it. Don't tell anybody. But I got to tell you this. Text don't, don't share this text with anyone. Please. Forward. All right. More, you put the little more, the little three buttons, and you hit the thing, it's got the more, and it's got the forward sign on it. You just hit that thing and type in anybody that you want. That's how that works. Don't share secrets. People love to reveal them, and you do too. That's the problem. We love to see. We just, in our sinful selves, we love to see. We love intrigue. We love stirring stuff up. 
Right? He, who goes out as a, he who goes about as a tale-bearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. One who is wise and trustworthy, if they know something that needs to remain quiet, they do keep it quiet. But the bottom line is the human heart loves deceit, and we love to deceive others, and we love to, you know, we hear one thing from someone, and we play that person against another person, and, and we deceive them and harm them. We love to make others look bad. That's another reason that we tell so we give slander. We love to make people look bad. We love to make ourselves look good and someone else look bad. And so we will tell information about them that we know will shade opinion against them in the minds of others. And if, if opinion towards someone else is bad, then we look good. And so we want to point to the, the sins of us. Oh, can't you hear about what so-and-so did? Does anybody need to know what so-and-so did? Oh, how about this? Did you hear what so-and-so did? They're awesome. I saw them caring for their children and loving people. That's not gossip. That's wonderful. Share that all the time. Hey, come on, come close. Let me tell you how great this person is. Ah, wouldn't that be sweet? But that's not what we do. And I'll give you a secret tweet. Don't share this with anyone, but I just want you to know that so-and-so is the most awesome person in the world. That's all we do. We want, we love to see, we want to make ourselves look good. We share something about someone else because it pleases our hearts and because then if they look bad, we look good. It's how it works. We're always comparing ourselves to someone else. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, uh, Psalm 101.5, him I will destroy. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, again, the parallel, the poetry here, no one who has a haughty heart and an arrogant heart will I endure. Again, I think those things go together. The arrogant love to share gossip and slander. They love it because it just makes their pride. It inflames their pride and their arrogance. Well, there's a love of power. Oh, this is a big one. There's a love of power that comes from stirring up strife. Proverbs 26, 20, for, the la- for lack of wood, the fire goes out. Where there's no whisper or contention dies down like charcoal to hot embers and wood to a fire. So is a contentious man to kindle strife. He loves it and there's power in it. And he can stir up a whole church or stir up a whole family a whole nation with his false, evil gossip, and he just sits back and goes, man, look what I just caused. I did all that. It's sweet to him. It's sweet to that kind of person. They just love the, 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 the strife and the things that happen as a result of that because it's power, and I can make people be mad at each other. I, I can cause these kinds of divisions. I'm the guy. There's also a love of making judgments about people. This is who we are. We love to make judgments, don't we? And we were built that way. Our God is a God who judges. You understand that God judges every word you say, every action you do, everything you ever thought, every motive you ever had. God has judged it all and determined whether it's right or wrong. And we're built that way. We're built to make judgments, and we're supposed to. You ought to make a judgment about everything you say and everything you do. As you're looking and seeing people, you are making judgments about them. The Bible says you can't make ungodly judgments. And the judgments that you make about people... Maybe very real things. You look and you see their behavior and you go, that's, that's bad, that's evil, that's wrong. You're supposed to make judgments, but you aren't supposed to share them anywhere where it's not appropriate. We love to both make judgments and then reveal the judgments we have made because it, again, makes us look good. We're smart and we're biblical and, and, and we're holier than thou. I can make all these righteous judgments. Discernment ministries. Call them gossip ministries vast majority of what they are. Let's just, let me share with you the dirt on this particular ministry. Do I need to know that? Probably not. Probably not. It's not discernment at all. It's evil. 
So we've got to be so careful with those things. We just love making judgments. James 4.12, there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and to destroy. And who are you who judge your neighbor? I.e., inappropriate judgment, wrong judgment. You lay down the penalty, which is I'm going to tell somebody else about this. Romans 14.10, but you, why do you judge your brother? Again, that's inappropriate, ungodly judgment. Why, again, why do you, again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? That's what it is to judge him wrongly. You can, he's contemptuous to you. I can't believe that guy does that. I'm, I'm going to make a judgment about that and tell everybody else. It says, for we will all stand, Romans 14, 11, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put a stumbling block or obstacle in a brother's way. We love to make these kinds of judgments, so we, we slander and we gossip and we tell everyone about what we think about so-and-so. Oh, don't we? And this, this most often happens in the middle of a relationship, doesn't it? Someone's having a relationship or in a relationship or you're doing this relationally, and you're like, oh, you just want to, you just want to weigh in. I, I, let me just tell you what I think about that relationship, and let me just share with you what I think. You know, some, some poor college student or high school student is trying to go out with someone, and, and the whole youth group got to weigh in on that baby. Who asked you? Right? Now, the parents got to weigh in. Man, again, parents ought to be wise when they talk to their own children about the nature of relationships. I get that. And if things aren't good, then you work it through. But why do you tell anybody else? Why does any other parent need to know? Why, why does anyone in the church need to know about how you would weigh in on someone else's relationship? You're driving home in the car, and you, know, you were at church, and you saw someone's marriage, and they didn't look good, and you're like, oh, man, do you see so-and-so? What's going on there? And your kids are in the back going, oh, tell me more, Danny Morsel. And your wife's going, oh, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. Let's just talk about that together. You don't have any business to it. You're not, you're not helping them. You're not, you're, not, you know, you're not involved in counseling them. We just love to do that. We do it all the time. And it's just as much a temptation for me as it is for you. I interact with a lot of people every week. Hundreds. Hundreds of opportunities to, to lose my sanctification when it comes to sharing gossip. And I have to be tremendously careful. And I'm not always as careful as I should be. So be careful of, well, again, this all happens in relationship in one way or another. We want to weigh in on, on people's relationships. Well, how do people spread gossip and slander? I need to talk about this just a bit because, you know, say, so, okay, how does this go out then? I think you know mostly, but maybe there's some things you haven't thought about. So we spread slander or gossip simply by starting or repeating anything that qualifies under that definition that I read. Either we start it, that false information, true information at the wrong time, true information for the wrong motive. Either we start it or we repeat it. See, if gossip were never repeated, it wouldn't end up being gossip. Well, just to one person. And it would die right there. Wouldn't it be a sweet thing? Someone does actually sin and gossips and, you know, they, they were overcome by their own sinful nature and they told you something you shouldn't hear and you shut it down. No one ever hears about that again. And you tell that person, look, as, you know, what, what you just said there, that, that was gossip. I'm not going to share that. And I'm asking you that you wouldn't say that again. Is this inappropriate? Man, wouldn't that be cool? Gossip would never go anywhere, but that's what happens. We repeat it, we start it, and then we repeat it. Don't start it, don't repeat it. But we do this by speaking. That's the way it used to be done. There wasn't any other way to do it. You can speak it, shout it from the rooftops, whatever. Now what can we do? We can text it, tweet it, post it, Snapchat it, Instagram it, Visco it. You name it. What's the thing? You can put it everywhere in the world, all over the place, and you can do it in a moment. You can talk to someone in China. You can gossip about someone in Bangladesh. But just push of a button or a couple pushes of the thumbs. 
Putting information about someone you know on a social media platform that you don't know to be true. Passing along harmful information about someone in any form that you don't know to be true. With the power of social media to reach around the world, you can board a flight from England to the United States with a perfect reputation. You can walk off the plane in New York to a shattered and ruined life. In 11 hours, it is spread around the globe what you have done or some false information and you walk off the plane absolutely disgraced. And you didn't even know what hit you. You had no idea. That's how dangerous and powerful this is today. There's always been gossip and slander. It's always been equally destructive. It just hasn't always had the ability to be spread so far, so fast. Talk about the feathers in the pillow all over the world. If, if the pastor had said, hey, I want, I want you to go all over the world and pick up every one, every bit of, every feather, every bit of radium dust. The internet makes the spread of slander seem to be anonymous and painless. There are apps you can download that let you generate random telephone numbers from which you can text people and they cannot trace the message back to your phone. You can set up whole sites on social media under an assumed name and a fake phone number and no one will know it was you. You can set up a group chat under a fake name and a fake phone number and share gossip with any number of people, inviting them to see more juicy information by following a link to a fake social media account you've set up. This is how convoluted slander can get and can always misdirect. It wasn't me. I can't prove that was me. I, 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 was, I was at my phone number. Can't prove it, right? Somebody did it. It wasn't randomly generated. It wasn't a robot. Someone is behind it. But man, we can, we can shade and, and, and hide and move and twist so that no one will ever know. But I tell you, it's never anonymous. God always knows. Always. And he will call those to account who do this. By the way, are you aware that you can use your, like your Bible app on your phone? You have the Bible app? You got nice, you're reading your Bible? You know, it's got chat rooms and those things. Parents, you ought to know this about the Bible app. You ought to know that your children can be on the Bible app and they can have this wonderful app plan, and under each plan, maybe they've got 10 plans. You might check your kids' phones. If they've got more than one plan, you might check, because those other plans might be phony. And so for those other plans are just a way to meet up with someone and talk with them on the chat for that particular plan. And they begin to talk deeply and darkly to people and share rumors, and you didn't even know it. You thought you had your phone locked down. You thought you had it all in place. And on the Bible app, they're sinning. And they're harming people with the things that they say. So that's one way. We just do it directly in all these different means. But there's other ways. We do this with our body language. Someone comes up and says, hey, have you, have you heard, about, heard about Bill? And, and you roll your eyes, yeah, I've heard about Bill. Like, ooh, ooh, tell me, tell me what you know about Bill. Why the eye roll? Oh, nothing. You've, you've slandered Bill. Right, I mean, what, what, they think, what, what, what is it? Shrug of the shoulders. You know, if I were you, I'd be careful around so-and-so. Why? Tell me more. Let's pray for so-and-so. You know, you always hear that one as kind of the standard, but it, it does happen. And it happens all the time. Should you share the prayer request? Should anybody know about that? Probably not, and so you need to be so careful. Guys, again, I tell you, I interact with hundreds of people. An eye roll, a shoulder shrug, can communicate wrong things about them, and I've done that. It's not always purposeful where people wonder about someone when they've been with me because I didn't carefully guard their reputation. I wasn't actively thinking about how to make sure that they were protected. And I looked strangely or I, 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 you know, I, I seemed like I didn't, didn't, you know, wasn't really happy with them. And someone walks away and goes, hmm, I wonder what, I wonder what I'm missing. I have to be so careful. And as I, as I, as I told you, I, I, I don't always do that well. 
you interact with a lot of people too. So we've got to be so careful with this. Well, why are they so deadly? We need to press on here because gossip and slander are acting like Satan. They're acting like, they're acting like the evil one himself. As I told you, the primary word, one of the primary words for gossip, that malicious gossip is the word diabolos. It's the same word that's used for the name of Satan, the devil, accuser, slanderer. That's his name. That's what he does. He loves to come before God and say, this person doesn't deserve your love. This person has done this. Satan comes before God and says, and, and God says, look at Job. Job is, is he's a man who fears God and does what's right. And Satan goes, Job does not fear you. He only fears you because you've protected him. And if you take away all that, he'll curse you to your face. You know what? Satan was wrong. That was slander. Job was a faithful man. He was a man who feared God, and he didn't do it just because of what God would give him, and God proved it. He said, game on. You're a slanderer. I will prove you are wrong. Take everything he has, and Satan did. Take his health, and Satan did, and Job was faithful. Satan was a slanderer and accuser. He was wrong. Yet he wanted to take Job down. He thought he could do that in the eyes of God. It doesn't work in the eyes of God, but you know what? It works in the eyes of other people. That's the problem. We're not God. We don't know. But God always knows. He knows the heart. 2 Timothy 3, 1, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips. Right in the middle, there's a list that goes on without self-control. Right in the middle of that list, where if you're reading it in the Greek, it just jumps out at you, all those words, and then right in the middle it says, diabolos. That's the nature of who we are apart from Christ. We want to act like Satan. That's what we'll do. We're blinded by our father, the devil, and that's what he does. He slandered God to Eve, did he not? Has God actually said? God didn't. That won't actually happen to you. And God is only doing that because he's a selfish jerk who doesn't want you to look like him. That's what Satan said about God. He is a slanderer. Slander is a form of violence against another. Isaiah 32, 7 is for the rogue. His weapons are evil. He devises wicked schemes to destroy the afflicted with slander. Even though the needy one speaks what is right. It's, it destroys people. It's, it's violence. Now, I guess there is, there is real violence with people against people with words. There is. Now, what's called that today, you, you know, you disagree with my opinion, so you violated me. That, that's not a problem Truth is not a problem, but violence is, does go against people with words. Swearing is very often that. It's, it's a violent use of words. It's like slapping someone in the face when you use a curse word. It's just a word. It's a word used to harm somebody. It, it's, it's violent. Well, that's, that's what slander does. It's a violent act towards someone else, really, because you can actually harm people with your words. You know that the, the little nursery rhyme is not true. Sticks and stones break my bones. Words will never hurt me. You know that, but you use words to hurt people, even though you know the, you know the rhyme. And you don't punch them in the face. And you don't throw sticks at them. Instead, you throw your words, and it does hurt them. You, you sitting here this morning can tell me when, when you can tell me the very times where you were and what it felt like when someone screamed at you, when someone that you loved and, and cared for used words against you. You could, you right here, it, the emotions come back to you, do they not? Words are tremendously powerful. And slander is tremendously powerful. It stirs up strife and causes division. I already read that. Proverbs 26, 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes down. Where there's no whisper, contention dies down. It's dangerous because the words cannot be recaptured. Their spread cannot be stopped. Behold the tongue. It is a fire. The very world of iniquity. Behold what a small 
Well, oh, what a great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Those words can't be taken back. It's the reputation of others, the reason it's so dangerous is the reputation of others is permanently harmed. Proverbs 22, one says, a good name is more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. You can't be an elder of a church if you have a bad reputation. You're done if that happens. Reputation matters. And harming people's reputation, you, it's very hard to get it back. The thoughts of those who are gossiped to are permanently tainted. You can't ever unthink someone or something that someone said to you. The moment they say it, it goes into your mind. You can deal with it. You can try to work through it. You can, you can, you can, you can okay, that's not true. But you always wonder kind of, kind of in the back there. Maybe it was. You can't unhear something you heard ever comes to mind. The gossiper is held accountable by God. Well, you know why this is so dangerous? Because God holds the gossiper accountable. Matthew 12, 36. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. That is, your words reveal your heart. We know that to be true, right? And so as you stand before God, your words revealed who you actually were. A life of slander, if that's, if that's what characterizes you, indicates eternal judgment. Every word God will take into account. And that's words you spoke, words you texted, words you tweeted, words you Snapchatted. Oh, it went away. It's not Snapchat, it disappeared. It did not. It didn't disappear from the mind of the person who heard it, the mind of the person who Snapchatted it, and the mind of God who knows it. Don't think it disappears. Words don't disappear. And you will be held accountable for every one, whether they can find it on some server in China or not. It brings the discipline and judgment of God. Psalm 101.5, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, this is God speaking, him I will destroy. Pretty serious. Him I will destroy. No one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. That's what slander is, an arrogant and haughty heart. Evil comes upon the slander. Psalm 140.11, may a slanderer not be established in the earth. May evil hunt the violent man speedily. It's an imprecatory prayer against slanderers. Very powerful. And as I said, it may bring eternal judgment. Ephesians 5.4, there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, no immoral or impure man, person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God, that filthy talk, that silly talk, that coarse jesting, so often that's part of what goes on with slender. Don't think that you can live a life that's characterized by that and stand before God and not go away into eternal judgment. It's very clear. Now, how do we deal with being gossipers and slanderers? Just a couple of thoughts here. Deal with hurts and sins biblically. Deal with your hurts and your sins biblically. People do sin against you. They hurt you deeply. Learn how to deal with it. Learn how to forgive in your heart, how to go and work through the situation and not harbor that bitterness and give it to the Lord and then try to walk it through. And if you can't actually make reconciliation horizontally, you still forgive before the Lord and you choose to love and you act towards them uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a manner that is, is without uh, enmity. You are no longer, as far as it depends on you, you're at peace with them and you deal with it. And so if there's a real hurt, you're not, you're not allowed to hold it and get bitter. You have to deal with it. And then so often, though, what have you have to deal with your perceived hurts properly. Oh, you hurt me. Did they sin against you? If they didn't, then you let it go. If they do it over and over, it's still not sin. It annoys you terribly. You, you go and talk to them and say, hey, 
Could you not do that? It's really, it makes it easy for me to sin. Work it through. But a lot of this is just learning not to be hurt by everything because everything against you isn't sin. And you shouldn't be hurt. And sin does, sin, real sin does hurt. And you gotta deal with it biblically. Perceived hurts have to be dealt with biblically, but not by confronting the person because they didn't sin against you. You're, you're, it's your sin. You need to confess to the Lord. You're hurt because you shouldn't have been. So you gotta deal with it properly. So important. You may need to repent. You may need to talk to the person. If there's a horizontal issue, you almost always need to. You ask for forgiveness if you have sinned. Guys, there's also a way, there's ways to properly address sin in the lives of others. We call that Matthew 18, where you go. Galatians 6, where you talk to them. Instead of spreading rumors about them, you actually deal with the sin issue. The Bible speaks to every one of these things. You can solve every one of these problems. If you deal with sin properly, you never gossip. You always do what is right. Forgiveness in relationship and reconciliation will keep from slander every time. Be a trustworthy person of integrity. If someone shares something with you, don't share it with anyone else. If there's, if they're gonna, if there's harm to them, they're going to, they're gonna be harmed more greatly by what they told you than you're revealing it, then reveal it. If they're gonna be harmed more greatly by your not revealing it, then reveal it. Otherwise, keep it quiet. That's, that's the rule of thumb. Be at peace as far as it depends on you with all men. Romans 12, 16. Never take your own revenge, beloved. Leave room for the wrath of God. It's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. You have no right ever to not be at peace with someone because God gives you the strength to do that and that has nothing to do with whether or not they choose to be at peace with you. It helps if they are, right? But if they don't, it doesn't matter. Well, I'm angry at the person from 20 years ago because they never apologized. You are in sin. They, ne they never got it right. They never repented to me. So my rule of repentance is or forgiveness is I never forgive you unless you actually ask for forgiveness. Really? You know, bitterness and anger harbored in your heart says you must be at peace with that person regardless if they ever talk to you or not. Now, again, if you can work it out, you ought to. Keep you from a lot of problems. Seek counsel from those if you wrestle so that you might get, and if you need to know, should I share something? Guys, there's a place when you're talking, when you're trying to end discipleship relationships, you're trying to work through issues in counseling relationships, we as elders talking through issues, there's a place to share information. I'm not saying that you can't, you don't ever say anything about anything. You have to know the right place, the right time. So if you're unsure, talk to somebody who, who is in proper authority to help you understand what you should do with that information. And so you should, you can talk about things. And then don't be a busybody thinking you have to know everything. You don't need to know anything other than what God would reveal to you. And then lastly, just post this in your house. Put it over your gates and your doorposts if you have such things. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word or from your, you could add from your phone, from your, you know, computer. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 4.29, that will solve all your problems with speech, all of them, every one. That verse, if you lived it with a heart that was desirous of pleasing and honoring the Lord. Well, the reason I spoke about this topic this morning is that what we are going to transition to now is a time of, of church discipline.
that involves this very sin. Now, church discipline is commanded in Matthew 18, 15. It involves four steps where one individual confronts another who sinned. If the person refuses to repent, then one or more additional people go to that person and call them to repentance. If the person still refuses to repent, then the situation is brought before the church and the members of the church call the person to repentance. The fourth step is if repentance is not forthcoming, that person is then put out of the church. That is, they are not allowed the benefits of church fellowship and encouragement. And this is done to cause the person to realize the seriousness of sin, to repent, to be restored to the church, to protect the purity of the church, to testify to the community that the church takes sin seriously. So in order to do this properly, and this is very awkward when it comes to the procedure of it, there's just no other way to do this. So we're now gonna ask if you're a visitor here this morning, you came with someone else and they, you're, it's not your church, or if you're not planning to attend Grace, you've been coming a little bit, but this is, you're not planning to make this your, your home church. Now again, this is really hard to do, but what we're gonna ask you is, is if, you would, if you would move outside the sanctuary. So actually, what I'm gonna have, if everybody would stand up for just a moment, because it's really awkward for people to try to stand up and walk out. So just stay standing, please. And if you are a visitor this morning or you're not planning to attend to make Grace your home, then if you could please just, just exit out one or, or other of the doors. Again, I know this is hard. In one sense, I'm sorry that I have to do this, but this is a family matter. It's a matter for the church and we, it, just, it would be inappropriate for us to share these things. Um, and my prayer is that you'll understand that with us and, and, and if you would, you know, it's just hard to do. So I appreciate that, guys. Thank you.